Welcome to GrishaCast. This is your host, Eric. And I'm Terry. This is your podcast for all things Grishaverse. A world created by the wonderful Lee Bardugo. Moi sevayenyi, casters. I want to say a special thank you and hello, uh, a howie to Malaki in Western Slovakia. And hello to Portland, Oregon. And Sioux Falls in South Dakota. Sorry about that. (laughs) I didn't mean to mispronounce that. And of course, all of our friends out in the U.S. We're just starting to, you know, thank some of our listeners since we can see that. So on this special episode, unfortunately, Terry is not here. She is sick in bed. She wanted to be here so badly. And I told her she needed to stay her butt home and get better because, you know, the best thing to do when you're sick is to get rest. And chicken noodle soup. And that. Exactly. So um, so it is me and, of course, our lovely producer slash husband. It's Chris. Hello. You know, this one's kind of odd because I'm normally in the control room and now I'm in the studio. So there's nobody in there driving this show. There is not. So... You guys hang on, and <laughs> please just um, be nice. We're going to see how this goes, but it's going to be fun. And um, yeah. I, I believe there's going to be a lot that we've edited out that they won't get to hear. True that. Uh, anyways, so, um, and I'm excited to do this with you. This is fun. So, um, and what's crazy is our son is just in the house all by himself. I know. I'm so nervous. I know. Because our studio is uh, not attached to our house. It's actually in a separate building. So, yeah, hopefully when we're done recording this, we will go back to a house. But um, <laughs> Let's hope so. Yeah. But we also have our wonderful mascot, Lucy. That's our pit bull. She's here, and she's hanging out with us. And, um, yeah, so the whole fam's here. And, anyways, what we are doing is we're covering the tailor today. We finished Siege and Storm last week, and a lot went on. I mean, Lord, we we finally got to the war, and uh, just so much happened. Uh, unfortunately, we lost a lot of people. Um, Paja, Marie, Fedyor died, and um, Vasily, which was, oh my gosh, that was a tragic death. I'm, his, his arm getting taken off by a Nichevoya. And, um, anyways, we also left with some missing in action, too. We, um, there's some people we just don't know where they are. We don't know what happened to Bagra, the king and the queen, and Nikolai. So, hopefully, next week when we get into Ruin and Rising, we will find out more, which, of course, guys, I've read this, so, I mean, I I know what happens, but I'm pretending like I don't, um... And truthfully, actually, sometimes I completely forget. <laughs> so, um, anyways, that is what happened last week. And um, we also found out that Alina confessed to Mal that she couldn't summon her power. They were also taken underground. And, yeah, they're with the Apparat. And don't forget, Tolia and Tamar have also been working with the Apparat this whole time. And... That's that was new, and Alina was confused on whether she can trust them or not. But um, I th- they're good people. They they are, and um, we finished off 
the book, the very last line, I loved it, was she would rise, which is just such a great segue into our next book, Ruin and Rising. The end of the trilogy. Oh my God, we actually are there. Truthfully, guys, I can't believe we made it this far. Uh, this podcast means a lot to me, and I love, I love it. And I truthfully just didn't know how it was going to go. And sitting here just thinking that next week we will actually be starting the last book of the first trilogy is so incredible. And it's just so, so neat. I'm having so much fun. I can't wait to go into the next duology, you know, Six of Crows. And I'm sure a lot of people are really excited about that. And yeah, that's what we're here for, guys. We're going to cover all this and also stay abreast of everything going on with the show. And when the show comes out, by the way, guys, we will be covering that as well. So we will be doing two podcasts each week, just to let you know. And um, that's how that's going to work. So because we want to make sure that we can cover what we're reading, but we also want to give enough time to discuss each episode. So that's going to be kind of cool and fun. We're going to see how that goes. And um, anyways, just a little heads up of what's going on. So The Tailor is a story that is in the back of of Siege and Storm. Oh my gosh, have I been calling it Storm and Siege? I hope not. I'm sorry, guys. It's I'm I'm tired. I say that every time, though. But um, anyways, if I have, please um, forgive me. Siege and Storm. And I, the very first time reading this, I actually read it on my Kindle. And this story was not in the back of, or not the end of it. So I didn't know about this story, truthfully, until recently. And um, when I was looking at my hardcover copies of it and noticed that there was just some extra stuff in the back and I, I just hadn't looked at it. But, so anyways, this was um, neat to read and I understand now some people were um, telling me that there's so much more about Jinya and I knew that there was from the story like from Ruin and Rising, but this really gives a background further into her story, and I loved it. So anyways, if you haven't read it or and want to know, just go and pick yourself up a, a copy of it, and it is in the back. I think you can also find it online. I did not see it um, in my Kindle store, though. So it's, uh, I think it's 18 pages, so it's a short read, but it. It opens us up. It starts off where going back into Shadow and Bone. And it starts off where Alina is in the infirmary after Zoya pretty much beat her ass in that class. So that's where this story takes place and starts. And Alina, in in the beginning, asked Jenya if, and we know this, if she can check the casualty list for Mal's name. She's wanting to know about that. So this goes kind of far back, but it's it's really neat because this whole story is through Jenya's eyes, and we just get to see so much more. So going on, Jenya uh, is, is trained at this point to get the letters that Alina writes to Mal and is supposedly giving them to the Darkling. And she has no clue what the Darkling is doing with these letters, um, but they are definitely not being sent to Mal. 
and we know that and because also in the back of the of shadow and bone was like this special letter that mal wrote and i I remember covering that and talking about it so we read that and that show told us how he wasn't getting any letters from her so anyways Jinya starts to tailor Alina's face, and and it's just, you know, that's what she does. And here is a beautiful quote that I've got, and here we go. My hands drift over her skin. Maybe it's my way of apologizing. And honestly, I can't help myself. It's like wiping the smudges off a looking glass or putting flowers in a vase. Just so, sometimes my fingers fairly itch to set her to rights. Besides, in this moment, I'm her friend. I can pretend all the little betrayals don't exist. I can ignore the paper with Oritsev's name on it, burning a hole in my sleeve. So, right there, we can see Jenya's, I mean, she's got the letter in hand, and, I mean, she's she makes that comment about she's her friend right now. And it's just, it's so, it goes back and forth when we're reading this from like through the novel about whether Jenya really was her friend in the beginning we think she is and then we find out that she was holding back these letters and it just I don't know to a reader's mind it can be kind of confusing on what Jenya's part is in all this and whose side is she really on so Jenya Jenya then leaves and she is on her way to the war room she makes sure actually on to pass by the fabricator workshops to get a little glance at her love, David. And she also runs into Zoya. And I think this is right after, I believe. I'm not exactly sure because I can't remember the timing of all this. But I believe she's running into Zoya right after Zoya got bitched at by the Darkling. And, um, but I'm not sure. Not exactly sure. And, um, but you can tell in that Zoya has been crying. So... This is going to actually lead us into scene one, which my lovely husband is going to help with, and I will be playing Jenya, and my husband is going to be playing Ivan. So um, this is, um, remember, right after she sees Zoya, finishes her conversation with her, which is um, just kind of rude and stuff, but she runs into Ivan. So here we are. Curtain up. I'd planned to leave a message for the Darkling with his guards, but I meet Ivan coming out of the war room. Back from visiting the invalid, he asks, as I follow him out of the little palace. She's hardly that. Well, she looks the part. She should be leading a fencing lesson by the lake. Zoya broke two of her ribs. Shame, he drawls. I arch a brow. The Darkling thought so. Tell me you were there when he told Zoya she'd be leaving Azalta. I was. And, I urge, as we head down the hill to the birch grove, I'm a greedy thing, but how can I be expected to resist this gossip? Ivan shrugs, scowling. He just made it clear that she's replaceable and Starkov isn't. I grin. Does that worry you, Ivan? No, he snaps. Careful, I say. Keep frowning like that, and even I won't be able to fix your wrinkles. Impossibly, his features twist into a deeper snarl, and I have to restrain a snort. 
Ivan struts around like a robin, all puffed up, pride and red plumage. It's just so easy to ruffle his feathers. I know he begrudges me any word or confidence shared with the darkling. Still, I like him. He treats me with disdain, but it's the exact same disdain he shows everyone else. End scene. So I I like that scene. I think there was a lot in there, and um, it's just important to our story, of course. So Jenya then uh, goes to speak with the Darkling. And on her way, she notices the Oprichniki and how they just are so separate from everybody. They um, they never mix with the Grisha. And I just it's a very short paragraph that this is in, um, but I just thought it was really interesting and a, a really inter- interesting observation that she me- she made. Because, I mean, the Oprichniki really are very separate, and they they don't intermingle with the Grisha or anybody else. It's like they just have their own code and job and are part of the, you know, they're with the Darkling. So that actually is going to lead us into our next scene. I know that's really fast. It's just some of these are really important. And um, this next one is going to be between Jenya and the Darkling. So um, remember, she's that's where she's on her way. To the Darkling. So here it is. Here's scene two. So I will be playing Jenya and my husband will be playing the Darkling. Oh, yeah. So curtain up. When we finally arrive at the Banya, the Darkling is just emerging from the baths pulling a clean shirt over his head. He really is something to look at, all lean muscle and pale skin beaded with moisture from the steam. He runs a hand through his damp hair and gestures me forward. How is she? Better, I reply. She'd asked to be moved from the infirmary. I'll approve it, he says with a nod to Ivan. Without a word, the heart renderer disappears back into the trees to see it done. The Darkling takes his kefta from a waiting Oprichnik and shrugs it on. I fall into step beside him on one of the narrow paths that wends through the grove. What else? he asks. The apparat visited her last night to rant about saints and saviors. From what I could piece together, he was either trying to scare her senseless or bore her to death. I may need to have a word with the priest. I told her he's harmless. Hardly that, says the Darkling. But he has the king's ear. For now, that's all that matters. An uneasy silence descends as we emerge from the trees onto the dirt path that leads to the training rooms and the stables. The Darkling knows knows there's more to tell and that I'm not quite ready to say it. It's deserted here at this time of day. No sound but the nicker of horses in their paddocks. The winter air carries their warm animal smell and beneath it the sweet scent of hay. I wrinkle my nose, just just steps from the little palace, and this place feels positively rural. Six black horses are in the western paddock, the matched team that pulls the Darkling's coach. When we reach the fence, the Darkling gives a low whistle, and one of the horses ambles over to us, twitching its silky mane. I slip the piece of paper from my sleeve and hand it to the Darkling. The tracker again, he says unsurprised. She's afraid he was killed in action and hasn't shown up on the list yet. 
I hesitate, then say, but I think she's almost as scared that he's alive and well and through with her. He studies the paper for a moment, then gives it back to me. He strokes a hand over the horse's long, velvety nose. What should I tell her, I ask. He glances at me. The truth. Tell her where the boy is stationed. She'll think... I know what she'll think, Jenya. I lean against the fence, my back to the paddock, fingers worrying the scrap of paper as the darkling murmurs softly to the horse, low words I can't make out. I can't meet his eyes, but somehow I summon the courage to say, Do you care about her at all? There's the briefest pause. What are you really asking, Jenya? I shrug. I like her. When this is all over, You want to know if she'll forgive you. I run my thumb over Alina's choppy writing, all graceless slashes and blunt lines. She's the closest thing I've had to a friend in a long time. Maybe, I say. She won't. I suspect he's right. I certainly wouldn't. I just didn't think it would matter to me as much as it does. You decide, he says. I'll have the letters brought to you. You kept them? Post them. Give them back to her. Do whatever you think is best. I watch him closely. This feels like some kind of trick. You can't mean that. He looks at me over his shoulder, his gray eyes cool. Old bonds, he says, as he gives the horse a final pat and pushes off from the fence. They can do nothing for Alina but tie her to a life long gone. The paper is starting to fray beneath my fingers. She's suffering. He stops, my fidgeting with the briefest touch of his hand. His power flows through me, calming, the steady rush of a river. Best not to think where the current may take me. You've suffered too, he says. He leaves me standing by the paddock, the tracker's name folding and unfolding in my hands. End scene. So, that obviously has a lot of just great information. I love that the Darkling um, reminds Jenya that, I mean, she's suffered too. And we see that Jenya really, like, I mean, she wants to be her friend. And she's just, she's just in such a hard spot. And um, it's just, we're obviously seeing how complicated um Jenya's life really is and oh my gosh there's so much more to come with this too um it gets even more complicated and um so Jenya then goes to help the queen get ready for a party um and she starts it's written that she's reminiscing about how the queen used to love her more than any of the other servants and girls and it's just It's sad. Um, She used to have a really good relationship to the queen. She misses the times that the queen used to show her off to her friends and dress her up and pretty much just, um, I think, I believe actually in Lee Bardugo's words, treasure her. So this is just, um, it's, it's sad. We see that there used to be this relationship that is no longer there. And, um, anyways, so... I I have a quote here, and I like it. Um, so, I didn't realize then what I was giving up, the way the distance would grow between me and the Grisha, how I would lose their language when I didn't take the same classes or know the right gossip or sleep under the same roof. But I didn't have time to contemplate such things. The queen fed me on candied plums and cherries soaked in ginger syrup. We painted silk fans and discussed fashionable novels with her friends. She let me pick out which 
wiggling puppy would be hers, and we spent hours choosing her his name. She taught me to walk, to curtsy. It was easy to adore her, end quote. And the reason I love that, obviously, is because it, it gives us a lot of information in there, and it shows us how she she does miss being a Grisha and how it she is separate um, now. Because, I mean, she is pretty much, I mean, she's she's got to be loyal to the king and queen, and specifically the queen, um, and helping her do, like, all her plastic surgery and stuff. And um, she just, you can, you can see um, that she didn't realize what she was getting herself into. And um, unfortunately, this friendship that she had with the queen ends, um, and Jinya isn't sure when their friendship ended. And, um, and that's a really important part because we we see how much Jenya really didn't realize what was going on when she started having to be part of the the queen's entourage. And it it's sad because she really now has been separate. She doesn't have any many friends. And Alina, as we hear, she, like, I mean, that that is her friend. Um, she wants Alina's friendship to be there, but she's in such a tough spot. So um, she's still... We go back into what's going on in the story, and she's helping the queen get ready. And um, Jenya just isn't isn't really sure when this friendship ended. She remembers that there is a specific moment that she was helping the queen, like furrow, get rid of some of these furrows on her forehead. And the queen then mentions that she sees a line on on her head, and Jenya tells her how. You know, if I fix that, it just it wouldn't it wouldn't look right. And right then and there, the queen then like hits her hand and says, "You're not fooling anyone. I won't let you make me look like a hag." So that is the part where Jenya remembers, I guess, back then when this this tension started between them. And um, Jenya continues to help her to help the queen look the way she wants, of course, um, helping her get ready for the party. But the queen just continues to show no kindness and absolutely is being a bitch towards her. Towards her. And um, after she is done getting her ready for this party, she, um, she, says, she says this line, surely you are needed elsewhere. So, come on. I mean... Jenny is working her butt off. I mean, trying to make you look absolutely fabulous and even making your eyes look a very unnatural color. Um, supposedly, it's like this blue that it, she wanted to have match her dress, but it's like so unnatural that you can tell. Um, kind of reminds me of the people that you see that have the colored contacts on over like a color that you can still see like when people put like blue contacts over brown eyes and you can still see those like brown flecks kind of reminds me of that so anyways uh Jenya after she's done she goes back to her chamber and I I've got a beautiful quote here if I could wish for anything in this world it wouldn't be jewels or a coach or a palace in the lake district I'd wish to be a true Grisha again, of course. But short of that, I'd settled for a lock on my chamber door. And that just is so sad um, to me, just because 
Jenya just she she just wishes she could still be a Grisha. Um, she obviously regrets the position that she's in, and it's just it's really sad. So she she goes back to her chamber, and um, in this, it's very like it's very short this this little part but Jenya mentions how she kind of looks over and she sees this black box that is in her room but doesn't share any more about what's in it um they it's just described and um that it's there and so i and i absolutely adore this um this next quote because it's a cool little glimpse inside the world of a tailor so it says Here's the quote. The rest of the closet has been converted into my own little workshop, stocked with all the things I need for my kit. Bottles of dye, sheets of gold leaf and coils of copper, tins of crushed carmine and jars of pickled berries. They smell dreadful when opened, but the colors stay pure. There are other bottles too, full of more dangerous things that I've buried near the back of the shelf. There's one in particular that I like to take out when the day has been long. I made it myself, and I love the liquid's warm gold color, its sweet cinnamon smell. Decora Navich, I call it. The ornamental blade. I love, love, love that, because I love when we get little snippets of um, the Grishaverse, and especially this, because it's a glimpse inside the tailor, and she's got, like, her own little, like, you know not her own workshop but i mean she's obviously converted her like little closet into like a little space and um just to be able to like make her little mixes and be able to you know help people feel beautiful and that's just that's just really neat to me then um jenya talks about the day that she got her white and gold kefta and um this is this is the quote and then one morning I found my child's dresses gone and a kefta, a Grisha's most treasured possession outside of an amplifier hanging on my door. It was white, white and gold. It was a livery. I told myself it meant nothing. It was just a color. I made myself put it on. I fixed my hair, held my head high. I was beautiful in this, as I was beautiful in everything. Besides, I had nothing else to wear. But I was wrong. That color meant everything. It was a command to the queen's ladies that they shouldn't greet me or acknowledge that I'd entered a room. It was an inedible line drawn between me and the other Grisha. It was a signal to the king that he could follow me into my chambers and press me up against the wall that I was available for his use, that there was no point to crying out. End quote. Oh my god. Um... Holy crap, that is just where we find out for sure that, I mean, this job that she has is also where she just can also be the king's plaything, and that is disgusting, and it's just horrible, and we've, we've had little glimpses of that, kind of, because we've heard the rumors in the books, but this is, this is her side of the story, and she... This is her saying that this that this is what it meant that when she got that white kefta, it was sending out a whole other signal, and it's so sad because Jenny is so beautiful, and we when we meet her, she's just got this fun 
attitude, I think. And she absolutely is gorgeous. And Alina even notices that. So it's just, it's sad to, to know that behind closed doors, she's, my gosh, I mean, she's, she's, pretty, she's being raped. And um, just at the king's command whenever he wants. And that's just so disgusting to me. And so Jenya then starts to talk about, obviously, how the days are darker now. Obviously. Um, also, the time that the queen then brings up this affair. And it happens one night when she is helping, of course, get the queen ready. And I've got the quote right here. As I fastened the pearl buttons at her back, she said, A lack of gratitude is unbecoming in a servant. You should wear the jewels my husband gives you. I saw it then. I understood. She'd known it would happen. Maybe from the first day she'd brought me to the little palace. She knew him and what he was, but I was the one she resented for it. I stood there, paralyzed, buffeted by two competing winds. I wanted to fall to my knees and bury my head in her lap to cry and beg for her protection. I wanted to smash the mirror she feared so much and cut her face to ribbons with it, stuff her mouth with glass and make her swallow every jagged edge of my hurt and shame. By the way, end quote, by the way, Lee, beautifully written. Um, I love I, I love that, um, especially that last part um, of making her swallow every jagged edge of my hurt and shame. And um, so there's a shocker, obviously. Like, so this isn't a hidden affair. The queen knows about it, and the queen is okay with it. Um, or not necessarily okay with it, but, I mean, she's still with him. So I I find that kind of stuff crazy, Um truthfully when people see affairs going on and they just turn a blind eye um because of the position they're in and they would so much rather just be keep their life normal that way instead of bringing out the truth or the light to what is going on in their life um i am i'm just a very forward person and um i know that there are people out there that have relationships that are open and you know what whatever works for you that's awesome i'm i'm down for it if you and your couple you guys are good with that that's great um i personally am not my husband and i like definitely have talked about that how like we are just we are we are together and we are together forever and not open forever and ever oh you're so sweet we're but we yeah we um i would kill someone if i saw them like kissing my husband i would lose it um or if i just like knew that like someone was sleeping with them i like oh my god anyways um i know this is getting off topic but really not it's just you know when we read these stories it brings to light the truth um and what like what how you would feel so that's what i'm getting from this uh i think it's crazy that the queen is oblivious to this um, oblivious in her own mind or she just kind of chooses not to think about it so interesting um, this is definitely just brings out a lot that we didn't know from the story um, so anyways we are um, now about to get ready for scene th uh, scene three 
Yes, and my husband, of course, is going to be playing the Darkling, and I'm going to be playing Jinya. And um, this scene happens right after that. the quote that I just read before I went on that little tangent about the hurt and shame. Um, after the queen finds out, um, pretty much tells Jenya that she knows about it and that she should, oh my God, she should wear the jewels that the king gave her. So this happens right after that. And Jenya's distraught. And who does she decide to go confide in or talk to? The Darkling. So um, here we are. We're going to do scene three. And... Okay, so um, I'm playing Jenya, and my husband's playing the Darkling. So, curtain up. <laughs> the Darkling might have chastised me or turned his back, but he put his arm around me, sat me down at the table. He poured me a glass of water and waited until I was calm enough to take a gulping sip. Do not let them humble you, he said softly. I'd had a speech prepared, a hundred things I wanted to say. All of it went out of my head, and I sputtered the first thing that came into my mind. I don't want to wear this anymore, I pleaded. It's a servant's uniform. It's a soldier's uniform. I shook my head, choking back another sob. He leaned forward and wiped the tears from my cheeks with the sleeve of his own kefta. If you tell me you cannot bear this, then I will send you from here, and you need never wear those colors or walk the halls of the Grand Palace again. You will be safe, I promise you that. I looked up at him, not quite believing. Safe? Safe. But I can promise you this, too. You are a soldier. You could be my greatest soldier. And if you stay, you can endure this. One day all will know it. He lifted my chin with his fingers. Do you know the king once cut himself on his own sword? A little laugh escaped me. He did? The darkling nodded, the barest grin playing over his lips. He wears it constantly, just for show, mind you. He forgets it's not a toy by his side, but a weapon. His face grew serious. I can promise you safety, he said, or I can promise to see your suffering repaid a thousandfold. With the pad of his thumb, he brushed a stray tear from beneath my eye. You decide, Jenya. End scene. So, that's just, it's just sad. Jenya just, she's in such a tough spot. She wants to get out of this, and she hates her uniform because of what it signifies and brings. And she just, she just wants to be a normal Grisha. But obviously, the Darkling has other plans for her, and, I mean, it's giving her the option to leave, but obviously she's she's not going to take it. So it, it it's written that that choice was hard, but this one was easy. So that comes to this next one, this next quote that I've got. So this is the choice that was easy. I opened the black wood box, and I fed the letters to the fire one by one, it hurts, but I can bear it, because I am a doll and a servant, because I am a pretty thing and a soldier all the time. End quote. End of story. So that, oh my god, it's just, it's it's so sad. Um, and she, she's a, she says it herself, she's a doll. I, ha- I hate hearing that um, in reference to just, I mean being 
the king, like who the king rapes and just has like, she is the king's doll. She's also the, the queen's doll in a way too. I mean, she does whatever they want and the darklings um, and the darklings just feeding her this line that, I mean, she's a soldier and um, she, her powers can be used elsewhere and better, but unfortunately she's stuck in this situation right now. So, um, anyways, I found out that this was written, um, obviously like right after she wrote Siege and Storm and, um, just to give us another glimpse into Jenya. And I, I love that because, um, I, I've always wondered more about her. There's other stories like that too. There's, um, which we haven't read yet, but we're going to get around to it. The, um, it's the language of thorns, which is the story. It's the fairy tales of the Grisha verse, which I love it when authors do this, when they take different parts of their writing and create more through it. Um, JK Rowling did that with Harry Potter where she, we, she would take some of the textbooks that they were studying at Hogwarts and she would actually write them. And that's just so cool. So this is like that. She wrote the fairy tales for the Grisha verse that our characters heard growing up or whatever. And, um, she actually wrote the one for Siege and Storm that she wrote was The Too Clever Fox, which is a really awesome story. It's um it's obvious to me it's it's about Nikolai in a way, and I think that's what's neat because when we read this book, Siege and Storm, there were so many references to the fox. And I remember actually Terry like bring um pointing that out when we were reading this. Um and I wonder if she knows that. Um, that there's a story, um, uh, a story about that. Um, it's, it's a neat fairy tale. Um, and there's also the Witch of Duva, which was written for actually the first, for Shadow and Bone. And then the story, The Little Knife, another fairy tale was written for Ruin and Rising. So she wrote these little like novellas and then I guess, what happened was, um, well, actually, no, I know. I, I, I heard in interviews they decided to put together a book of the fairy tales that she had written, and I just think that's really cool. And Lee's mentioned this in other interviews that when, if you listen to her about ha- her writing style and how she writes stories, it's so cool. But when she's writing, s- like, small little stories, not novels, she, um, she likes to do it in a bathtub, and she will, um, I guess read them out loud like I guess record herself um doing these short stories and I just think that's so cool and so relaxing and awesome so um anyways that takes us to the end of that story um Chris did you like I mean did you enjoy any of that um did you I did, did? I'm, I'm normally behind the scenes I'm a button pusher and knob slider but it was fun <laughs> well good uh I just think it's important because you know we We've got these parts of the books, and if you are following along for the first time, then this is part of the actual book. And um, obviously, as I said before, if you're reading it on the Kindle, there's more. So, <laughs> But wait, there's more. Exactly. You should have been there the day that I saw um, that there was bonus 
um, features in my hardback copies of these. I was actually giving it to a friend. I was giving them Shadow and Bone to read, and then I, I noticed on the front that it said and in the back there is bonus features and i opened it up and saw like the letter to mal and i was like what i'm sorry i and i couldn't give it to him i told him i was like i'm sorry i can't let you borrow this right now because i've got to read it (laughs) so um and in the back of actually every one of these um books there are bonus features and in siege and storm there is there's a interview and what's neat I I wasn't prepared to talk about this, but I pointed this out to my husband that I've got two different versions of the books, um, and I think they're by different publishing companies. And in the back of this one, for instance, it's got the interview and the tailor, but I've got another version, and I wish I would have prepared because I could tell you um, the publishing company that put that one out. But their bonus features were different. It actually, I remember specifically, it had a, some art, a picture of Nikolai that some somebody had drawn. And um, I can't remember whether Taylor was in there or not. But there was, this, there was this picture of Nikolai. And I actually have posted it on our Instagram if you go back uh, a little bit. It might have been right before we were starting Siege and Storm. There's, a, there's that picture. And so... Anyways, uh, thanks for listening to that part. So that was The Tailor. And now we are going to move on into our next segment. GreeshaCast News. Oh, that was awesome. I've never had somebody else do it with me. That's great. I've heard that 16 times. I'm good. Maybe I'll get Terry to start doing that too. So um, anyways, GreeshaCast News. And, of course, this is the first part. GreeshaCast News, we have a new logo, guys, and I love it. It's very, very nice, I think. Yes, and it was, it's beautiful. It was done by my dear friend, Donna Huff, and she's... A brilliant an, uh, designer, if anybody's interested. Yes, exactly. She is an amazing designer. I used to work with her... And she she actually did our wedding invitations. She did. She did the that's right. She did the invites and the um save and the, the save the dates. Yeah, yeah and they were beautiful. And when I worked with her, I worked with her at a magazine when she was their designer and had to design ads for people. And she's just incredibly, incredibly talented. And if you are interested in getting any, if you have any work that you need done or any design like design ideas that you want done, you can go to her website and that is at Donna Huff dot design. And her last name is spelled H U F F and Donna D O N N A. So Donna Huff dot design. And um, anyways, if you haven't seen it, go to any of our socials and look at it. It is, it's very cool. It's, my favorite part of it is the fact that the sunset, the colors are the three colors of the different Grisha orders. And I love having like small little details like that. So I worked very closely with Donna on this and it's just, it's really neat. The only thing that I wish that we could have put in there was like, cause we try to put different things from d- the different stories 
because, I mean, we've got the six crows on there, obviously, for the Six of Crows duology. And then we even put, like, the crown for King of Scars. And then we've got kind of, like, the sunset um, on the back of Ravka for this trilogy. And the uh, Russian buildings, too, that... That's Ravka. That's what I was just talking yeah, about. Exactly. Yeah. So, I mean, that goes along with all of the Grisha verse. But um, I wish we would have been able to do something for Ninth House, but that really isn't part of the Grisha verse series. But it's still an amazing book. And we're, by the way, we're, we're going to cover everything that Lee does. So that will one day be part of what we're going to read that because it is so good. So, moving on, um, Amita Suman, who is playing Anej on the Shadow and Bone show that they're filming now. She posted a photo on Insta of her set chair, which was really cute because it said her name and then said Inej, and just it, it looks like one of those, you know, director chairs, and that's just neat. I just love seeing that stuff because we just know that that show's going on and we're going to get it soon. Something else that I found, Lee tweets in response to some amazing Nikolai art which someone got as a tattoo, and this is her tweet. Wow, so honored. Working on King of Scars 2 right now, and our Demon King has quite a journey in store. So that's really cool. Um, We know that she's working on that, so I'm so excited because I love King of Scars. Love, love, loved it. It was incredible, and I think, truthfully, it is probably my favorite because of all like the connections it has to all the other books and if you know me you know that I just love I I love that stuff I I, I uh, love it so cuz King of Scars is really cool because it just connects everything and I was also listening to another interview of hers and she actually wrote these stories like the trilogy and the duology and all this so there are different ways that any new reader could enter the Grishaverse. And in the beginning of this podcast, I remember specifically talking about how I read it from the beginning and I thought that was the way that you should do it. But there are a lot of people that started with uh, the Six of Crows duology. And I I didn't understand it, but I mean, like, I... At this point, like, I now... I, I can apologize. I understand. Like, you can pick that up and still like get into the Grisha verse and understand it. There are still like some things that you might not completely understand, but the whole story, like you still can pick it up and read it. So um, that's neat. It was neat to hear her say that she just wanted different ways for people to enter into the Grisha verse and um, go, go Lee. Also in some more news, Someone also tweeted at Lee asking when the next Nikolai book is coming, and she responded, news soon. That's it. But still, that's a response. So we know that we're going to be getting something new. I mean, I mean, we're going to be getting some news on it soon. Also, congratulations to Lee because Ninth House, the audiobook, which was read by Michael David Axtell and Lauren Fortgang and produced by Macmillan Audio has been announced as one of the 2020 Audio Awards finalists in the fantasy category, recognizing excellence in audiobooks and spoken word entertainment. So go Lee. And I, by the way, if you've listened to any of these, Lauren Fortgang is amazing. She's, 
I think she's been a part of every single one of her, her audiobooks. And I know that this trilogy that we were reading, she read all of it. But when you go into Six of Crows, she's got a lot of other people reading different parts, but Lauren is part of it. And I just love Lauren's voice. It is amazing. And she just understands the Grishaverse so well. So anyways, great news. Ninth House is getting a lot of good attention. And um, if you just remember, that just came out this past October. And it's it's doing fantastic. It's her first adult novel. And I loved it. I could not put it down. I absolutely love that book. So, um, and we know that she's writing a sequel to that too. Um, not this second, but, um, there is going to be a sequel, especially the way it ends. So we're going to move on into listener thank yous. So from Instagram, I'd like to thank Michelle Baviera and thank you so much for the suggestions. Definitely going to work on those ideas. I love them and I'm going to do them. So I just love that you gave us that those ideas and we are going to start doing those. I just need to start just start thinking about them and um yeah, so that'll be neat. She um she what a great listener. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you because we always are wanting ideas of how to make this podcast better and more fun and um when we have listeners actually respond back with ideas that's incredible so from facebook i'd like to thank dana daly and esther salgado and then i'd also from facebook i'd like to thank these two listeners that might not have heard like heard this yet they um they mentioned that they haven't quite picked up the podcast quite yet they um are almost there but they want to they just didn't have the time so they might not hear this for a while but i want to thank them anyways linda green and avery gilbert so when you get to this episode thank you and um yeah i i see all of the comments that people leave and it just it it means a lot because it means obviously that you guys are are liking what we're doing, and uh, I just the Grishaverse is an amazing universe, and we're such a great fandom, and we're just gonna grow and grow and grow. Just wait until the show comes out, guys. It's gonna be insane. We're gonna like there's gonna be so many Grishaversers. So, um, anyways, from Terry's bed, <laughs> since she is not here, she sent me two Furden Mary kills. So Ooh, exciting. I get to do one. Would you like to? Sure. Okay. So um let's so this first one and I um I looked at these for a second and laughed but did not. I promise you guys I'm going I didn't have time to think about these. So the first one she gives Fjord and Mary Kill, David, Tolia, and one eyed Jenya. So obviously Jenya at the end of Siege and Storm. So let's see. Okay. Fjordan, Mary, Kill, David, Tolia, and One-Eyed Jenya. Um, Okay. So what's unfair is that I know some of the stuff that goes on with the rest of the story and some of these characters. But uh, anyways, I'm still going to answer this. So I am going to... I'm going to Fjordan David, and then I'm going to 
marry Jenya, and then I will kill Tolia. So, yes, that is my answer for that one. Good answer. Yeah. I was very close. I had uh, Fjord and David. Okay. Uh, and then I swapped the other two. Oh. Mary, one-eyed Jenya. Mary? Well, that's what I did. I said I married one-eyed Jenya. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, so you must have had the same thing. I did have the same thing. Yeah. Okay. I thought you said you were very close, as in, like, very close, but, like, there are some switches. Oh, no. Okay, set. Okay, gotcha. Sorry, we were right on. Yeah, so. Not, not close. So, unfortunately, we both killed Close Tol- like lawn darts. Gotcha. And we both, unfortunately, killed Tolia. It's always hard to kill mm-hmm. some of these characters, but that's the part of the game. So, um, this next one. Oh, my God, this is great. Okay. So, Furden, Mary, kill. The Apparat, the King, and Nietzsche Voya. Mm, <laughs> wow. So, I love that she put Nietzsche Voya. Um, that is awesome. And if that just shows you, Terry is so creative and is not boring yeah. one bit. She, Thanks, Terry from bed. Yeah. So, I love that she found this is this is a really hard one. So, <laughs> and absolutely hilarious. Okay, so, Puritan Mary killed the Apparat, the King, and a Nietzsche Voya. She didn't specify whether Nietzsche Voya, like, whether it's one or, like, all of them, but not that it wouldn't matter, so we'll just, because, <laughs> I mean, all of them, Lord. Um, we're just going to pretend it's just one Nietzsche Voya. Um, and, okay. <laughs> oh, my God, can you even... Answer. I'm tapping out on this one. Oh, that's so not fair. Yeah. Okay, I am going to... Okay. I'm going to have to... Oh, God. Okay. So, I always think that when you... Well, Mary can go either way. Sometimes you Mary means you... It just means you're with them, so it doesn't mean you have to have sex with them. But usually in a good relationship, you do... Um, so in this one, yes, I'm going to, I'm going to marry the king and then I'm going to, you know what? This puts you in a weird spot. Okay. This is, this is just how crazy I am. I'm going to, okay. Okay. So I'm going to, I'm going to marry the king. I'm going to Furden and Nietzsche Voya. (laughs) And I'm going to kill the apparatus. <laughs> I should have closed my ears. Because I can't, I cannot marry or have sex with the apparatus. I cannot do it. Yeah. At least the Nietzsche Voya would be dark. And I don't know, it would definitely be a new experience. <laughs> One for the books. So, mm. anyways. By the way, we will find out Terry's answers to this. Yeah, Terry. You are definitely going to answer these. And um, for all you listeners out there, if you want to answer that last one, I'd love to know. You can answer either one of them, but specifically the Apparat, the King, and the Nietzsche Voya. If you want to tweet us or email us or Instagram it, whatever you want. Um, I would love to hear your answers. Um, and then we, um, if you answer them, we can definitely, uh, share them on our next episode. If you want us to, you can always just say, Hey, I'm I'm just doing this because you asked, but, um, 
anyways, that is that is it for the show. So let's get ready for next week, which is so exciting. We are going to be starting Ruin and Rising. And what we need to read is the before chapter, chapter one, and chapter two. Before and two are not that long. It's chapter one that really is a big one, by the way. It's just a big old chunk. It's, um, I believe, about 50 pages, which we normally do. But before and two really don't have much. But chapter one is definitely a doozy. So um, anyways, we will be going getting back on our normal schedule. Um, we will be having this next episode come out this upcoming Friday. Hopefully Terry will be feeling better. So Please come back, Terry. Yeah. <laughs> I Poor miss Chris. you. Yeah, he misses not having to talk. So um, send good vibes towards Terry. We are everybody sick. Like We record this in Nashville, well, yeah, in Nashville, Tennessee, and it the flu is going around and sicknesses. I mentioned last episode how I had the flu, and it's just everybody is getting sick. So unfortunately, it's not the coronavirus, though, but... um. We all, unfortunately, are spreading germs all over Nashville. So, um, anyways, you guys all stay good and well, and thanks so much for listening. Um, continue to do what you're doing. Tell your friends about us. Tweet us. Instagram us. Whatever. And um, also, please rate us. Get on Apple or Spotify and rate us. And please do um, comment on how we're doing. Um, and let others know and us. So, um, and thank you for listening. Yes, it has been a pleasure. Thank you so much for tuning in and, um, listening to me and my husband ramble for a while and talk about the Taylor. It's been great. So you guys have a wonderful rest of today and your weekend, and we will see you guys next Friday. Goodbye. Bye. This has been GrishaCast. You may email us at grishapodcast at gmail.com. Follow us on Instagram at GrishaCast, Twitter at GrishaPodcast, and on Facebook at GrishaCast.